I can hear the graveliness in my voice right now. If you don't warm up your instrument, yeah, then yeah, it's gonna. It's there gonna you go. Then it's gonna degrade be over time. Stuff. Although on the positive side, at least I'm not talking to myself all day long in my in my self isolation. Uh, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> yeah, I say why not? <laughs> was it, was I thought it, you enjoyed talking to a smarter set. Yeah, of people. I was yeah, gonna say really. what's the old saying is like I like to have conversations with smart people. There you <laughs> yeah. go. And in this day and age, you yeah. <laughs> Adjust, adjust, adjust tie Rodney Dangerfield yeah. style. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, folks, yeah. to Geek Shock number 542. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And we're here to talk week and geek. Gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Oh, my God. Oh, he has uh, notes. Somebody brought notes. Good. Yes. Well, I, I, def I defer my time to the note, note taker. <laughs> uh, well, first off, Thursday... Did the Plan 9 Bride of the Monster Marathon. Oh, damn, I missed another one. Yeah, that was... Uh, I'd never watched... I'd never seen Bride of the Monster, although I heard about it. Okay. And I've never seen watched... bits of it, never seen the whole thing. Yeah, then that's that's how I saw okay. Plan 9 is ah. in bits. I've never seen Plan 9 stem to stern. It's so, it's so bad. Oh, boy. Your Earth men are idiots! It's just, it's just great. <laughs> It's really funny, too, because I forget who said it. Somebody said, you know, actually, Wood had a pretty good concept here. It's just that the execution's awful. <laughs> you know, because yeah, it, 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 it's sort of it's sort of a day the earth stood still in terms of, you know, you humans are about to ruin things, and we're, we're just here to tell you stop. But Bride of the Monster was interesting, just watching all of those... Uh, Bits and pieces with Lugosi, and thinking back on the Ed Wood movie, is actually that would actually be a fun marathon. Is to watch Bride of the Monster, Plan Nine, and then watch the Ed Wood movie. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, and just just look at the uh, look at all the cross uh, contamination. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I had fun. I love Lugosi, so it's such a sad story towards the end there. And sure. But watching him, watching him throw himself into this Drek was something short of him, nothing short of amazing. And speaking of Drek, also watched uh, the Wraith, the, the the Charlie Sheen Wraith. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, near forgotten eighties. Yes, it it was really funny. There was a conversation I saw that a few months ago. It was a conversation on Facebook. Somebody was like, "Oh yeah, Wraith. It's sort of like a combination of." Mad Max, and, and they threw out a couple movies, you know, I think one of them was like Exorcist or something, I don't know, and I was just sort of like, oh, that sounds interesting. Was and, it? Was it, though? Uh, well, it was... You know, I kind of <laughs> like it. I, I it, It's not a great film. It's not a great film, but it's just one of those 80s throwaway yeah, movies. It's a product of its time. It's a fun little romp. First Charlie Sheen yep. vehicle. Exactly. Literally. You know? Sherilyn uh, Finn. Oh, Sherilyn oh, Finn. Boy. Oh, boy. I had such a crush boy. on her back in the Twin Peaks days. Oh, and dude, you know who I saw like two or three flashes of in the backgrounds? Brooke Burke. Oh, yeah. Playing a waitress. She's I, I forgot about that. Yeah, just she's a totally, in that too. totally credited, but on no speaking part. But boy, she looked 80s luscious too. It was great. 
Um, yeah, race one of those weird little. I mean, it's like half science fiction, half supernatural. Yes, and yes. you're and and they don't really. What's kind of nice about the storyline is they don't go deep into yeah. the mythology. It's right. just like this is a thing that happened. The well, people that are experiencing it are just as baffled well, by it as the as anyone else, as we the audience. You take out the scene at the beginning with all the lights coming into town. Yeah. And you take out any of the other where the the car just like flashes with light and breaks up or comes together and take those out. Uh-huh. And you pretty much got a Stephen King story, if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, you're you're guy not, comes you're back, not wrong. you know, you know, come back from the dead, get yeah. the revenge. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of road pirates who are scamming people out of their cars in a small town. You just put that in Maine. That's the, the bullies. Arizona desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The bullies in Derry uh, taking kids' cars and races. It's really, it really is just, I'm like watching this also thinking, ah, it'd be fun to watch Christine after this. But and, and some of the performances in there are actually pretty good. I mean, you've got Glenn mm-hmm. Howard in there. Glenn Howard, yeah. Um, you've Randy got, Quaid. Randy Quaid in one of his, I wouldn't say one of his first, but near the beginning of his his Hollywood career. You've also got, oh shoot, I, I, I totally forgot. Nick Cassavetes. Nick, Nick Cassavetes. Yeah. I, was, I, I always want to go to the, the, the director, which is his uh, brother or father. His father? Uh, yeah. John, John, John Cassavetes is the one yeah. I always go to, and I always forget Nick's. But, yeah. but, I mean, he's a guy that's been around forever, too. Yeah. Like, he's he's yeah. been in so many movies. You're like, oh, I recognize that guy, but I can't think of his name. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was interesting, and it's it's really funny just looking at the the car scenes and the races and all the danger of the racing and the that that car has such a a interesting history because it was a car that was built not so much just to be a movie car, but it was a concept car that they used also as like a pace car in Indianapolis, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty much a bare bones vehicle. Like it was a fiberglass shell on a frame. They had to be real careful with it when shooting the movie mm-hmm. because there was no interior. That's why you never see the inside of the vehicle. Yeah. Is because it was literally like a steering wheel, some switches, and like a speedometer. Mm-hmm. That's that's the extent of that vehicle. Uh, in fact, if it, it appeared on Jay Leno's garage not long ago. She Charlie Sheen drove it up and... They they poked inside. They're like, "Wow, this truly is a a movie vehicle because there's nothing inside of it." I know? almost want to take this moment and say Jeff is making good on his moniker because <laughs> nobody has this much knowledge about the Wraith. Yeah, in the world at this point, Jeff is people who made the movie don't know enough much about that movie. I, you know, Jeff. It's funny. I, it's it's funny the things that you pick up. <laughs> About yes, Abadi's yes, movies, like and and, and, and not 80s. not like in a single sitting. It's like you you piece together all these little bits of information over the time, and it's not mm. just that movie. I have tons of movies. Well, like that you're where, '80s, Jeff. We didn't say you're Wraith, Jeff. Right? Yeah. You know. So but I just then, I just want credit where credits due. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And speaking of car movies, I also watched The Car. The Car. The Car. The Car. Yes, a 1970s. Uh, 
horror slash thriller. I don't even know if I know this. What's the car? The car is in a small Utah county. This car suddenly appears and starts killing people, running people off roads, um, running over people. Killdozer. It's really funny because people talked about Killdozer, Duel. But while I was watching it, I'm like, this is actually a salute to Jaws. This is actually Jaws with a car. James Brolin, Ronnie Cox, a few other familiar faces in it. Uh, It's on Netflix. It's a remastered edition. I grew up watching it on cable as a kid. And the movie scared the shit out of me as a kid. Because they really formed, uh, filmed the car rather creepy. Um, because there is an element of what is the car. They, they never find anyone. Oh. They never find out anyone's driving it, anything like that. And it's pretty much, you know, <clears throat> hinted. It, well, pretty much hinted that it, it, it's a car from hell or I'm something. I'm going to add that to my list now. Uh, but it looks good. It was in widescreen, remastered, all sorts of nice Utah vistas. Looked really cool. The car itself is uh, like a uh, a modded out Lincoln. It was it's a really cool movie, and I'm glad I watched it because when I was a kid, it really did scare the shit out of oh, me. Oh yeah, sure. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of that car right now, and that's the same car they used in uh, Futurama, where they have the uh, the wear car that the that that, that, uh, that turns Bender into the dude. I'm, it's probably a reference to that movie. I'm telling I, you. Yeah, it shows that they know. A lot of pop culture. Uh, you guys keep, keep talking the car and, and geek stuff. Uh, I got to go pour out this bang birthday cake bash <laughs> energy drink and fill this can with water or something. I can't take it anymore. It, it, it's off. I'll fill you in when I get back. But in the meantime, I got I to gotta fix this. Today's what's going in your mouth oh. is bang oh, birthday dude. cake bash from... I can't even tell what the name is. You people and your energy drinks. <laughs> Dear God. It's, it, my wife knows I like weird drinks, so she keeps her eye out for oh, it. Oh, so, right. Good. So she, she got this one. They don't always work. No. Uh, th- this one is like somebody took some uh, non-dairy vanilla yogurt and roasted <laughs> over a uh, open f- fire. Ugh. That's that's kind so of so it's the, it's the, like smoky vanilla in a bad way. Smoky <laughs> vanilla. It's, it's, now yeah, see, somebody, you got somebody burnt the sour vanilla. You got you got Barry all excited now because that sounds <laughs> like a, a some kind of scotch. <laughs> oh, oh yeah yeah Barry mix your scotch with this. <laughs> Continue on, Del. But yeah, that um, it, and the the car like has this really really harsh uh, air horn sound that that. They do a great job of just making it scary as hell. It really creeped me out as a kid. Watching it was kind of fun. Because at first, when it first began, I was getting chills and everything because I'm flashing back. And I was like, yikes. But then as I sat there and watched it, I just watched it as a movie. And I went over the old reviews and boy, did it get raked over the coals. But frankly, I, I think it was just, it's a passable Little 70s horror movie, really. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of things, as they, as time passes, you go back to it, look at it with fresh eyes, and also sometimes you look at it in the context of when it was produced. Reviewers are a lot, a lot kinder mm. than the contemporary critics of the day. Yeah, you know. But um, it, is a, it is a nicely made movie, and the, the transfer, the... the the remaster that they have on Netflix 
is sharp and it looks good. So if anything, just to just to see a um, a good movie, there's you, that. You there. had me at James Brolin. I oh yeah, he's yeah. he's fun. And then of course you had Ronnie Cox in the mix. You know yeah, and Cox plays a he plays it. It's really funny. I remember watching. I'd forgotten that he was in the car, but I remember watching Beverly Hills Cop. And just looking at Ronnie Cox and being like, wow, this is an unusually authoritative, this is actually something of a power position. Same thing with RoboCop. I was like, wow, I never yeah. thought of Ronnie Cox's, and I now realize only in this week having watched the car, the car is the reason why I've never ah. viewed him that way, because his character is not like those characters at all. His, uh, overall, it was pretty cool, except for the... Uh, Redemption of the wife beater, sub sub plot line. Yeah, yeah, that's so <laughs> definitely a seventies plot line, right oh there. Oh <laughs> boy, that that yeah. But otherwise, it's uh, that's that's one of the difficult things to watch in like sixties and seventies. Actually, yeah. even going back into fifties, the mistreatment of women and and people of color, and and it's played off as just a normal thing. And yeah, it's, well, and well, it's hard when you go back and watch those movies because you're like. This is just not right. It yeah. wasn't right then. It's not right now. Well, and this one, it, there's a condemnation of it, but they, they do a little plot twist, which is sort of like, did you did you really have to did you really have to do that that way? Anyway, uh, but overall, I just it's some it's a it's a it was good. It was a good movie. Good looking movie. Yeah, and I just uh, added I it to my list. I'll have to check it out. And then speaking of demons and the supernatural, I'm watching the anime Doro Hidoro. Do it again. Doro Hidoro. It's. Uh, I, I'm going to spell that phonetically. Yeah. D. Well, it's Japanese, dude. It's all phonetic. D U R O R O V H E D O R O. Double hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's um kind of typical anime. Oh, hey guys, guess what? There's a supernatural world that's really closely joined to our world, and you can cross the boundaries and. There are sorcerers that go around experimenting on people, transforming them, and a lot of them will have like animal heads and stuff. Hmm. And there's this, the one major character has a lizard head, and he's trying to figure out who did this to him because apparently when you kill a sorcerer, their spells die. Okay. So if he finds his sorcerer, he can get transferred back to normal. That's about the gist of it. And then there's uh, the whole, there's the usual anime thing of this underworld and really nasty people and, and assassins who are really good at their jobs. And, is, this, you know. is this the kind of cartoon that with demons with assault penises? No. Okay. No. So murderers, assassins. Yeah, but no assault <laughs> penises. Okay. Yeah, no. no. None of that. Or... Uh, Penis stalactite. Right, or <laughs> tentacles or anything. Sorry to disappoint you, Todd. Well, you can't win it all. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's what uh, I finally remember. Oh, and also, you know what? I've forgotten the last two casts. Yes. And it's kind of silly, but I just wanted to pass the word to Jeff Conco. We got the review copy. Ooh, Citadel uh, of the Fallen. Citadel, cit yeah. What, what are you reading my notes? Is I that know, really. I didn't know you wrote it that way. <laughs> Citadel of the Fallen. A group of teenage students, while exploring deep within the rainforest, barely survive an encounter with a wild and surprisingly magical boar. 
In doing so, they discover that events have that threaten to destroy their entire civilization have already been set in motion. Already? Well, fuck. I guess I don't have to read it now. We know where this is going. But anyway, yes, Jeff, we got the book. Um, Congratulations. I, this is a hell of a feat. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, I've only been talking about writing books for decades. You you <laughs> right. actually did it. Right. I've, I've started hmm. writing like about a dozen books and never finished them. There you go. <laughs> See, now you got to take all those, Jeff, and just mash them into one There you book. go. Into one jumbled yeah. mess yeah, that, don't, in that fact, nobody can figure yeah, in out. In fact, don't even like look at it first. Just like just randomly put Dude. one set of paragraphs after dude people are gonna read it and be like this is the craziest anime ever yeah, yeah you know you'll be fine well let me ask you jeff is there any assault penises in your no oh okay yeah boy <laughs> no boy what way to disappoint todd uh, you know so. that's what i do well if anybody expects <laughs> to write assault for the last penises 30 what 30 in their <laughs> novels <laughs> in jeff <laughs> So. I, I have every right to be disappointed. <laughs> I won't ask Jeff Conkle if there are any... Uh, Jeff Conkle's... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so anyway, I'll get to reading it, and then I'll pass the word on, and then Todd will get to it in about three years. That sounds about right. So, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll get Jeff to uh, read it. That's I don't a, know. I'll, I'll give it a go. So there you go, man. But thank you very much. So we have received it, and we will... Uh, We'll let you know what the deal is. That's awesome. I yeah. love it. Yeah. It's a great cover. And I'm sorry, I keep I kept forgetting I I've had it sitting in front of me during the podcast the past two times and totally, totally forgot to I thought it. you were doing it on purpose because I thought like maybe you're gonna read it first before you brought it up. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't knowing. I, he's <laughs> got right. a reason, I assume right. he's not. I read five pages up. before podcast and you know, next year I'll be ready to review it. Uh, so, well, you yeah. know, since we're doing books right here, of course, the uh, Geek Shock Book Club is reading the first 15 lives of Harry August by Claire North. Discussion has already opened. Uh, what else you do this week, gentlemen? Um, before I came to the podcast today, I got to watch Reunited Apart on Ghostbusters. Oh, this is the new Josh Gad yep. bringing together the Ghostbusters this week. Yes. Uh, it was fun. Was there anybody missing? Moranis to be expected I yeah guess. he's he's still still a recluse yeah and he he'll pop up here and there and he does voice work for animation and so forth for the most part he's just he's living his life and sure but coming back for the new honey i shrunk the kid thing yeah that's what i heard yeah so. i was kind of surprised by that because it's not that he's stopped acting altogether he's just very selective about what he does and doesn't do so but yeah, it was uh, it, it was surprising how many people they got. I mean, they've got uh, Ivan Reitman, Jason Reitman, because Jason Reitman is directing the the Ghostbusters Afterlife, which uh, I guess has been pushed back till July of next year, if okay. I'm not mistaken. That makes sense. But he's he said he's still he's actually working on and he's doing editing, and he said that one of the nice things is having all this extra time to just really kind of digest feel like you're you're pressured to make sure. a decision right away to fine tune it yeah yeah movies are made in the editing that's yeah. where a lot of that shit falls apart absolutely and not you know not for nothing you know when i've been in an editing room you've got different takes of different scenes to to look at and you're like like i really really like this take but it doesn't fit with the other scene or the the, the other uh, clip the other, clip it, the other clip of the other actor. Sure. So you're like you're trying to cut the two together, and you're like, it doesn't I work love, with the two shot. Yeah, 
this delivery is awesome. This delivery doesn't is also awesome, but doesn't fit with it. You know, you two guys probably know better than I do because I'm not an actor. But uh, no, you're a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, not not in a long time, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, and then of course uh, you know Dan Aykroyd they they got Bill Murray on that too, which is surprising because he doesn't. I don't know. He's he, he, he's, he's been more available. Yeah. in the last say year or two. I I, I didn't want to say he doesn't do things, but he's just you know he kind of does his own thing when he wants. Sure, and he divorced himself and, from Ghostbusters for a good little while for a long but, time. But lately, yeah. he's been. But no, he in fact he was it. he was very seemed excited to be part of the call and very enthusiastic about the project and giving praise to. To Dan Aykroyd and Ivan Reitman about you know how the film got made and so forth and and also Harold Ramis and he's a, you know I miss the guy so much and so forth so it was a really it was really nice uh, they had Annie Potts in there too very cool um, I'm just totally blanking out on the other three that were on there too because I, I like I literally just watched it right before I came to okay. the podcast what's his name yeah that one that's a big Twinkie the guy who plays Winston Zedmore Winston there you go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He's sorry. He's in there too. <laughs> wow. I Not, just I got Jeff thinking of Twinkies, and he zoned right out. Well, you said Twinkie, and I almost lost it. <laughs> I, it's it's not that I, I I was trying I was struggling trying to think of the guy that played Walter Peck. It's yeah, Will, William Atherton, and I just that's why my brain the Pecker. I was that's I was fantastic. I was, was stuck he in, in there. Yeah, he was in oh there my too. God, I he was, was stuck in there. it, and I couldn't. Winston. Uh, God damn it! Now I'm now now my brain is stuck in the other vapor lock. Winston because, Peck, <laughs> because I was trying to remember Atherton's name. Uh, God damn it! Winston Atherton. I'm I'm in total vapor lock right now. <laughs> I know it's and awesome. There's like three other people that were on the cast, and I and now I'm like stuck because my my brain does this. When I, if I yeah. if I can't think of something, it literally blocks out all pro- other processes mm-hmm. yeah. until I can think of the other. And you get that little Ernie Hudson, god you, damn it. You get that little vein pulsing in your yes. forehead. Oh yeah. You know, I know Atherton's been in plenty of movies. Yeah. But I have to say he is my favorite 80s villain. Yes. I think of all time. He's the classic <laughs> between 80s. Ghostbusters, Die Hard and Real Genius. Yeah. yeah. He is my favorite worm through yeah. and through. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I don't own any action figures of any of the Ghostbusters, but I have his action figure. <laughs> his action figure. <laughs> That's how much I love him as a villain. But yes, Ernie Hudson's in there. Um, uh, William they, Atherton. Yeah, Atherton. I hear was, Atherton's in it. Yeah, he's. It, it's so funny because like he was like, I, I've seen him in a lot of other interviews, and it always strikes me as like you always try to remember the, an actor is not their character. It's so contrary to the roles that he plays when you see him in these interviews he's just very laid back he's very relaxed very oh, yeah. you know that's cool he's very appreciative of the things that he's done and and the people that he's worked with and sure. you know and, and, and he's one of the guys that's so good at what he does is he's one of those dudes that gets shit on the street yeah from people who can't separate it yeah exactly in fact, uh, it was funny. Is like they they kept calling him the two the two Billies, but uh, he was talking about how uh, Bill Murray really brought out his take on the character of Walter Peck because he's like he's like I've got to I got to play up against Bill Murray, so I've got to really bring my A game. And Bill Murray was like he's like, well, you gave me such great material to to riff off of, and so that you know this kind of mutual admiration society, the two of them going back and forth. For like a minute, as as with all reunited parts, you could tell there was more that got trimmed down. 
Uh, in fact, this was the first time that I realized uh, Josh Gad mentioned that at the beginning of this one that they shot it like three and a half weeks ago, and it's just now airing. There's clearly a lot more material that I think could have been on, but they, they try to keep them about 35 minutes. I think they could do an hour on most of these because they went closer to an hour on the Lord of the Rings one. I don't know. I admit, do, do they have some kind of fear that the audience won't stay with it? And I don't why know. would they? It's you, isn't it YouTube or where the hell is yeah, this? The, it's putting it out on YouTube, right? The, yeah, the old YouTube analytics said 15 minutes was like you know the early days of YouTube. 15 minutes was about the attention span of the average, the average YouTube viewer. Then it increased to about 30 minutes, but the 30 minute attention span data is from like 10 to 15 years ago. So people are watching 30-minute to an hour things on YouTube frequently. Yes, I'm and, one of them. And, yeah, and, um, and, and I was going to, much to what you do, is a lot of times people put that on as kind of background noise while they're doing something else, right. especially when there's not something that you need to visually engage with. So you're listening to the people talk, because in some of these cases, they put out the audio of their, their video separate as a podcast. As a podcast. Right, yeah. It's it's almost like a bonus if you watch the video, but uh, but yeah, but anyway, you know what it is about Atherton. If if I can ape a bit of Nine Inch Nails, he is the perfect smug. Yeah, that, that is Atherton. The, he is the perfect smug. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna rest yeah. the podcast. You guys there talk you about whatever you want, but I'm just gonna interject <laughs> now and then about how great, great villain he is. Yeah. Now I forgot what I was going to say. But, uh, You're going to talk about Atherton <laughs> and how amazing he is at being a, a slimy jerkhead. No, but but Ernie Hudson talking about being, uh, you know, being involved in it. it. What he didn't address in this one, but I guess is yeah. in other is that he had a much bigger role initially, different too, and very different role initially, and that was trimmed down significantly. That information's out there if anybody wants to get into it. It's funny because, you know, they, they talk about Ernie Hudson's character of Winston is kind of our eyes as the audience, the everyman that are being thrust together with these group of know-it-alls in a completely ridiculous situation. You're, I, you're <clears throat> what? Did, did you get that? I'm asking, I'm asking as a, 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 from a curiosity, did you get that in, in like film writing class? Did you get the whole, you gotta have a regular person? Because um, I, I honestly, I just don't understand it. Maybe it's because I grew up reading so much science fiction and fantasy where everyone is in the other world that this whole, you gotta have the, the audience viewpoint character. And I just... It's not a requirement, but I know that it is a key element of writing for the screen. Well, just using like stage plays as an example, a lot of times you'll have somebody that's narrating, rather, or you'll have a character that gives a lot of exposition to set up the, you know, the story going forward. When you switch to the screen format, they try to work that into a character that's in a group of other characters that kind of lays out what's going on or becomes the window even though like i said it's, it's not necessary but it's an often used right. element just, of screenwriting i just I, I was wondering if like you literally 
they literally like it was a question on the test because it's just everybody it's, everybody says that to me yeah we had the blah 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 because you know you got to have the the character that represents the, the audience the and i'm conceit, just like ah, it, it makes exposition well i don't say a whole lot easier it does give it more of an excuse to happen right the conceit is that it when you have a character that the audience more easily identifies with, you can kind of understand how that person is fitting in to the bigger group with, you know, specifically using the Winston character. You've got the average audience goers like, oh, I can identify with him because I can't identify with these scientists and blah, 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 blah. But that's also assuming that you're not giving your audience as much credit being ident- able to identify with elements of sure, specific characters. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that's the thing that, that would It is an know. old it I mean, is an like, older it's writing. Like, it's like the Star Wars thing, right? Yes. Uh, Lucas is like, I made Anakin ten years old so little kids could identify. And it's like I was eleven when I watched the original Star Wars and Luke did not have to be ten for me to identify and want to be him. Yeah. So that 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 line of reasoning bugs me, and I just so well, I was just curious as to a lot of writers and studios don't give the audience a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. They feel like I need to dumb this down to the point where audiences are going to sure. embrace this film, this story, etc. Because everybody has elements yes. to it. Bill's Bill Bill Murray's character wants yes. to get laid. You know Dan Aykroyd's character. Right. I mean, you, the 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 moment when when Harold Ramis is just like I'm beyond. I'm 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 terrified beyond the capacity for for rational thought. Exactly. You know, you know he's yes. using polysyllabic words to describe something everybody will go through. Right. And, so I mean, and I, his passion over uh, rationalization. Yeah, exactly. I, I I will admit when you know. I didn't see Ghostbusters in the theater. Shame uh, on you. My parents felt it was too adult. No, it was satanic, Jeff. Get it right. It's no, they, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because that was not something that my mom was considering in the whole reasoning why to let me go see the movie or not go see the movie was the, the ghost element. It was more that... Um, it's not like it was that, rated R. I, I know, but like I said, my mom had these weird things where like she would talk to my dad i was like well i feel like this is a little too adult for him at this age you know and i think it's like the the, the innuendo the lot of sexual innuendo from you the mean film. like when the ghosts are undoing their pants mommy what yeah. are they doing so i didn't see it until about two years later on vhs oh, oh so i saw it like oh, in 86 okay. oh. and of course cut down yeah for, to the four three aspect oh. not, and not not only that there the if i remember correctly the original vhs there were trimmed down scenes. Eventually, it had to be re, uh, re-released with Reitman's approval because of the... Mm. I'm, I have to go back and look at that to see if I'm accurate on that or not. Because I remember seeing it on VHS and then finally getting a chance to see it in the theater in its original format, even though it's only been a few years that, ago that I got to see it in the theater mm-hmm. um, for the first time. Wow. And... Scenes that I don't remember being on the VHS. But, I, uh, I I saw it with my mother. Oh and, yeah, and there was and there was was one scene in there that freaked her out, and it was at the very beginning when they had the preview for the Talking Heads Stop Making Sense movie. 
<laughs> oh, and, really? And, and, the, and, the, and the, the preview played in entirety once in a lifetime. Oh, yeah? And it was my first time that Mom and I had both seen David Byrne in action. <laughs> and she was horrified and appalled, and I was entranced and How can full, you not full be? of joy. D- David Byrne is <laughs> in every one of those videos. His performance, his musical performance is fantastic on its own. But when you add that into the music videos for Talking Heads, he's so entrancing like you you just can't stop watching what he's doing going what is he doing it's like i just can't look away sure and if you haven't seen stop making sense i think didn't jonathan demi uh i'd have to look that that up but yeah Uh, that performance is if you've seen the video and you've seen how herky-jerky he is in the video for that song uh in the live version he is even more so he is super high energy animated Turkey jerky, and it is the, one of the greatest things. And to sit there with my mother, <laughs> watching her, her endure that, really endeared me to Talking Heads. And now I'm a lifelong fan. But, but uh, aside from Ghostbusters, she right. loved the rest of it, though. Uh, what I was actually getting at uh, was, you know, when I did get to see Ghostbusters for the first time. Oh, you're getting there. I, okay. I, I had identified with with the Harold Ramis character more because oh, I was more what? In, I was more Todd, into science and Todd. Yeah, I know. Listen right? to him. Listen <laughs> what? to him. The I collect, guy that I collect has spores, a- molds and fungus. Yes. The guy that has no emotion? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm but currently Harry, terrified beyond the capacity. But I was, for I, was <laughs> I was trying to tell you that Harold Ramis is a Vulcan and so are you. Guys. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> damn, you got me. But I, I that I, that was for you Kirsten because I was trying to uh Say that yes, yeah. The 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 classic the classic I'll just say classic writing format doesn't always apply. I know. Well, it, yeah. It just I I was fortunate in film school that my instructors said, okay, so here's what here's what Hollywood has done for decades and continues to do. But now break. There it. are other writing styles that you can embrace. All right. Because you don't always have to have that one character that the audience is supposed to be, is the one that the audience is supposed to identify with. Because, like you, were, you and I were just saying before, there are elements of every yeah, character sure. that people can identify. It just it, it irritates me. But I guess yes. the, I, 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 I understand. I completely understand. Uh, yeah. so, so, who in Reservoir Dogs did you most identify with? <laughs> nobody. What? No, nobody. Nobody at all. Yeah, no. I think I I, I love the film, but you no, know, I just like what? there wasn't one character that you I didn't said. identify with the guy shot in the stomach and bleeding out. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How about you, Kay? Which which uh, Reservoir Dog did you identify with? Oh, probably. I would have said Mr. Pink, but that's just because I love Steve Buscemi. I can, yeah, really. That's fine, Mr. Pink. Absolutely. Aside I from just, the whole tipping I've thing, always, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see you being some Mr. Pink action. I just I've always loved Buscemi's performances yeah. because he's just. He he always plays every. It seems like, especially in those early films, he just played everything over the top. Yeah, it's in fact it was funny because in several interviews he's talked about how he's always felt like he doesn't really belong in a lot of the movies that he's in because he's like here are these other professionally trained actors and he's just you know some guy that lucked into acting jobs and I, I don't agree with that but that's how he feels. 
How about you, Kay? Who do you identify? Oh, with? Harvey Keitel's character, yeah? probably just you know. It's uh, <clears throat> Mr. White, right? I, I oh, yeah. guess, okay. yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Ma- uh, like I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Or me, Madsen? Yeah. No, yeah. no, Mr. Orange. Oh, Orange. Yeah. Betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. What did I do this week? Well, I played some Minecraft, of course. Uh, oh, I've got Minecraft. a new video. I've got it edited, so it'll be going up this week. I gotta catch up. Um, the truce between me and Barry and the pranks is still on, but I tell you right now, if not for too much longer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your your park looks amazing, by the way. Thank you. Three hours. Thank you very much. Wow. I, I have more ideas for parks mm-hmm. in in so. Stay tuned for that. So if well, you like the park episode, uh, there will be more parks in the near future. Now, are you saying I plans to expand or build a completely new park? Completely new park. Oh, okay. Uh, because uh, if you haven't seen the videos, Barry's put up a recent video, and my new video covers some of the new stuff in the city. The monkeys that have joined the realm have just gone to town. It's been fantastic gone to town on the town on the town absolutely <laughs> and it, it's so impressive a, a lot of the people who are playing this miles above me in minecraft experience on what they're doing there somebody's building a, a full rail system throughout north south east and west oh wow and and i don't know who did it it'll, it'll feature in this next video that i'm putting on there but somebody put giant letters of torgo over my base down the mountain and each oh, no. and on the top of each one set on fire. <laughs> and wow. I was thinking about making a video of putting some kind of decoration to my base. I don't need to do that anymore. That's been done for me. Whoever gave me the flaming torgo, thank you. I, I am I am such fan and then little burning teas on the mountains that are around me. So I <laughs> Burning teas. Right. Dude, that's that's <laughs> careful because yeah. that's close yeah. to Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it isn't. I know what you're thinking, but it isn't. <laughs> Nowhere near that. God. <laughs> At least I don't think they are. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's, it's been great. And I, I keep seeing more names on there. When I log in, I'm like, oh, new blood. And that's phenomenal. Now, I, I some have reached out to me, people that have never played Minecraft and are interested in enjoying the realm. It's It's... They, they've, they've become curious enough to possibly join in, uh, but are like, how do I begin? Uh, well, two things. One, I'm, I'm going to make a video on uh, well, how I recommend uh, starting from scratch on the realm if you have never played Minecraft before. Uh, it's going to be old hat for those that have played, uh, but this is for the people that, uh, you know, there are people that have never played it and are still interested. It's, it's Minecraft's getting a resurgence right now uh, over the past year. It's been impressive to see numbers-wise. Uh, so that's one video that I'll be doing. But another thing you might do in the meantime is to, I mean, YouTube is the place to learn how to play this game. There are plenty of people out there that really that have made wonderful, wonderful videos on how to teach you how to play this game. They'll teach you how to walk. They will teach you all the walks, how to move, how to craft, oh, cool. how to mine, how to do everything in the name. Uh, who I recommend probably the most, if you want to know a, a place to start, is a series called uh, Survive and Thrive uh, by Paul Soares Jr. That's S-O-A-R-S. Uh, very, very talented YouTuber. Uh, it's probably about my age, and uh, he is really, really good at what he does. And whenever there is a new iteration of the game, he starts a new Survive and Thrive wow. series 
to incorporate also the new things that have been added. So you can start with the latest one or an earlier one, and it will tell you all the the fundamentals of the game. Because if you do jump in without knowing at least a little bit of how it's played, it can get real overwhelming real fast. I can expect. And you can end up messing up things that other people have done and not realize it, and it gets and it gets crazy. So I recommend one, yeah, find Paul Source Jr. or another how to play Minecraft thing out there before you jump in. And again, I'm going to try to make one that happens on the server so you can see it happening as far as real time of how I start from a position of zero in the game and move forward. Uh, because move the, forward, Steve. Yeah, that that's the W. That's the W, Steve. Because um, uh, the game is in the early part. Not easy at all. The survival aspect is is really punishing at the very beginning of the game. You hit that first nightfall, and if you're not haven't found some kind of shelter for yourself, it's it's rough to survive. Wow. So you're saying the first thing you should do is build yourself a shelter. Uh, the first thing you should do is wait till daytime if it's not. Ah. <laughs> that, that's the first thing. But we'll save that for the video later on. Oh my! Were uh, you overwhelmed, and, Duncan? And, and for those of you that uh, have joined us on this uh, YouTube journey of Barry and me and, and those within the game itself, uh, thank you. Thank you for for joining and subscribing to the channel. I, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of subscribers in the big world of YouTube, but I'm kind of impressed by how many of you have subscribed. I was not expecting that. So, so thank you. And I, I, there'll be more videos in the future just because you, you seem to enjoy them. So, yeah. Why not? I got the time, kind of. Uh, what else have I been doing this week? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Oh, the PlayStation 5 did a big reveal this week. Oh, mm -hmm. they, they They were going to do it uh, the week prior, but of course, with events happening, they decided to push it forward a little bit. And I didn't really put it in the news section because there's not a lot of news in there because it was really just showing one game after the other was pretty much what the reveal was and what the thing looks like. There's no, like, translatable to radio news to put on there. Just, you know, feelings, you know, like Ray. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. Uh, I, I see a lot of people bagging on it, but people bag on every iteration of every console that comes out. Right, yeah, that's uh, on uh, the Xbox One or Series One X. I, I can't get the name right now. One of the videos I saw this week that I guess it's about a week old, but... It had people had hands on with it, and I was surprised because it's like, oh, it's not as big as the picture makes it look like it is. You know, I thought it was this this massive like tower sized case. Like, no, it's about that tall and about that wide, which it's I'd say it's about, that, about a foot wide, <laughs> about a foot wide and about maybe a foot it's and a half tall. Uh, yeah, that about that wide, about that tall. Yeah. That? So it's fun. <laughs> it it makes more sense when you set it next to uh like the most recent version of the Xbox One or the Xbox One X. How does it compare? Uh, I mean, bigger, smaller? It's, <clears throat> Width-wise, it's the same. Mm -hmm. If you were to stand the, the console up on end, uh, it's about that same height. Okay. And then it's just about twice as wide. It's a rectangle. It's about the size of three Christmas Sears catalogs. No, not even that big. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. Because so, I, I, I like to make this identifiable to the younger listener. Yeah. <laughs> right. Where's our viewpoint listener? Kid? Kid? <laughs> Even so, kids so are yeah. hanging around for that <laughs> one. So yeah, b both, both consoles are uh, much 
I guess more compact than they initially looked in some of the earlier. Daddy was a pictures. Sears. Yeah, right. God, I remember the anticipation of getting the winter catalog every year, the Sears catalog. So you could look at the toys. Dude, I, they went so elaborate with all those toy displays. Oh, you know what? I, I've have since bought old catalogs. I, I remember off yeah. of eBay. Uh, the, the listeners don't though. The uh, <laughs> I thought we talked about it on here once before. We might have. Uh, even though, why remember? One of the lost episodes. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, the free catalogs you would get. I've purchased some of those because nostalgia. I'm like, I remember circling these for my parents slash Santa and going, this is what I want, Santa. Circle, circle, circle. Instead of writing out a list, oh, I'm, I'm, that's that's yeah. that's the '50s, man. This, yeah, get get with the times in the that's '80s, true. dude. That's true. The, oh, I was always jealous because I'm like I always wanted to make displays like that with my toys, and I never had as many as they no. had in the catalog. So no, you, you're always like, she's like, I can't do that because I don't have that one, that one, that one, or that one. But yeah. you got to take construction paper and draw on it. And- well, that, that's why you, you you do the ultimate combination. You do that fan fiction thing where you put Chewbacca in with Tomax Zamot and then He-Man and then Skeletor. You, you, just, you just combine it all together with the Sectars. And that was fun. That was one of the things. They, I think it was uh, He-Man. No. They were like, well, who, who does he fight? They, I guess their original thought was, well, he, he fights all the other toys that are out yeah, there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so it's like, that's we don't need do a villain. L- little known fact. In fact, I, I, I've never addressed it on the show. Oh. And Ooh. I've only told a few people in, in all my years. Jeff, are you coming When out? I was a teenager, <laughs> like when I was really first, when I was first starting to get into photography, I wanted to be a catalog photographer because I just absolutely loved all those displays and, mm-hmm. you know, the creativity that went into it, uh, not just with toys, but with other, oh. other elements. But then when I got into my 20s and saw that catalogs were really dying, I was like, well... Go. Now what I want to do is a photographer, and then well, you know just, later on film school came along. Just but. wait for the internet. There's so much yeah. money to be made yeah. in photography on the internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, well, dude, you could you, you you there was still there was still photography to be had, and you know Playboy, Penthouse, Cream, Screw, <laughs> Beaver Club. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Twins. Uh, <laughs> you want to keep going? <laughs> Diapers. Ooh. What? No one read that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awkward moment there, Todd. Okay. Anything but else, yeah. gentlemen? Uh, nothing Jeff. I can think of right now. Uh, let's see. Uh, I finally saw the remake of Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah. Yeah. Finally got around to seeing that. Not bad. Not bad at all. You, it, you can tell it was made uh, with respect to the original material. I, it's good, not great overall. Uh, they made some changes in the story that I thought were good changes and executed well. Uh, the main one being that uh, the young boy is not the one that gets brought back from the dead, but the uh, young girl is. Oh, okay. So that was an interesting and good choice because... Uh, yeah, it follow the book is one of those like by the the numbers almost tales from the crypt kind of story where oh, okay. where it's the uh, the parable story don't 
don't do this, don't be bad or else this will happen kind of thing. It's perfectly laid out in that regard. I will say that I don't think it's as creepy as the original movie. Uh, but I will say I think the acting is better. But I don't know. There's there's just that place that the uh, the original movie has in the heart. It's a, a whole nostalgia thing that puts it above it. And if I hadn't seen that one, I probably would have been A-OK with this one. How about the cat? Uh, cat, awesome. Okay. Overall. Uh, I, I Again, there's the thing that it has to fight with that original gray. I think it's a Russian blue cat that they used in the, what's 86 when that came out? I guess so. It's good. I recommend it, but I don't think it's, you know, knocking anything out of the park. I do appreciate that they didn't go into, we're going to tell, we're going to use this as a platform to tell this story. I'm glad they didn't do that. And one thing I did really appreciate is that they included from the book uh, that was not uh, in the original movie, and that is the references to the Wendigo, uh, Mm. because that is a piece of the original story. And the funny thing is that they referenced it, but they didn't, do a whole lot of payoff with it as they did in the book. So I'm like, I appreciate you brought it up, but I don't know why you did. Yeah, really. <laughs> so I assume why assume that's on the cutting room floor uh, and, and we'll move on from there. So, Oh, um, what? Uh, well, I thought of one other movie that I saw. What's that me too. Oh, oh, so go oh, ahead. Okay. Machete. Uh, <laughs> machete. I love that. Film. I like machete and machete kills. Well, you know what's really funny about this movie is that it's what 13, 14 years old. It's uh, it was before uh, two thousand ten, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was post Grindhouse, so yeah. yeah it's uh, but it's the politics that Rodriguez is riffing off of is incredibly contemporary oh yeah yes. it's in in that one and the the yeah. sequel as well the the racist uh, politician <clears throat> wanting to build the wall and all that shit it was really funny because you know i remember when that movie came out and it's just like oh look at all this crazy shit machete is 2010 machete kills okay. is 2013 all right so 10 years ago and it, it's just <laughs> i yeah. just just i just <clears throat> I I just sat there like I can't believe how I, close this was. It's just crazy. It's insane. It hurts. Yes, yeah. it does hurt. It actually was uh, because the the villains in that, and it was really funny. He, right down to right down to um, um, uh, De Niro's fake hero, yeah. uh, fake. I'm sorry, fake politician. Where you know, and in, in that one scene, he drops his Texas accent, and he's like, God. I'm not even from here. I hate this place. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. A fucking New Yorker just faking the whole, oh, my God, this hurts. This is painful. (laughs) Jesus Christ, that was prescient. It blew my mind. It was insane. It was insane. That And and then the whole, uh, of course, the, the little army at the end going for the final confrontation and all their uh, low rides. Bouncing and just bouncing. <laughs> yeah, R- Rodriguez definitely just pushed that to oh, the nth degree God. for that that whole final sequence. I mean, it's 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 one of those movies like every ele- every element of it is just outrageous. It's mm-hmm. like okay, let me let's take a a real thing and then just amp it up. 
And, and they, they did it so beautifully through that, the whole film. That's the thing about the movie, too, Jeff, because they amped it up to the ridiculous. Yeah. And we're living it. Yep. <laughs> we're living it today. <laughs> Who'd have thunk, right? Jesus Christ. It broke the space-time continuum. Oh, my God. I just... <laughs> fucking Christ. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, There's a movie that I actually forgot to mention uh, a few weeks ago that I saw recently. Uh, Ready or Not. It's I'm ready. A, it's a... The movie is Go called ahead. Ready or oh, Not. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to get into a, you know... Abbott and Costello routine movie oh. here. Oh, whatever, Mister It. <laughs> yeah. What? What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a it's a dark comedy, and it is what is I think brilliantly done. <laughs> uh, it has what? elements of horror. Were you ready for but it? It was. It wasn't what I was expecting, and delightfully so. Um, I guess not. Just one of those <laughs> movies that. Uh, I was surprised that I liked it as much as I did. In fact, I think I texted you right after yes, I watched yes, it did. and said, you need to check this out because this is a type of movie that's definitely up your alley. Okay. I hesitate to say too much more about it because if you really start getting into the whole plot of it, it starts to um, starts to give away some of the surprises that are hmm. in the film. So I won't say too much more of it, but I really enjoyed it. I think it came out late last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I missed it in the theaters, but finally got to catch it on, uh, I believe it's on HBO right now. So if you have HBO and you have access to HBO On Demand, definitely check it out. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun little film. Don't feel bad. It's a dark comedy. So if you laugh at something that you think is inappropriate, that's what it's intending for you to do. Oh, so. I, I never feel bad about oh, that. Oh, yes, yes. No. That's why I like dark comedies, because you're just like, <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at this, but goddamn, that's hilarious. And then the internet tells you you shouldn't be laughing at it, and you're like, oh, no. I've been canceled. Shit on me. Yeah. All right, let's do some news you don't give a shit about. Hey. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of pained. I like it. <laughs> well, he said hey, so I had to counter it, you know. Speaking of dumb HBO, last uh, less than a month after its launch, HBO Max has surprised subscribers with the news that its library of DC superhero films will be rotated out on a month-by-month basis. Uh, Justice League, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin, Catwoman, Jonah Hex, The Losers, and the Lego Batman movie have all been added to the Last Chance section of the service already. Uh, All those titles will be removed on Wednesday, July 1st. Aquaman, Shazam, Joker, Green Lantern, Supergirl are staying aboard so you can watch Green Lantern all you like as a new batch of DC projects are presumably added to the catalog. Uh, There's been no announcement of what they'll be quote we have a collection of dc films that will rotate on the platform we have a new batch coming in july and then another batch coming in august a representative said in a statement so yes hbo max where you go for all your superhero needs except when they don't have them because reasons mm-hmm. and it's interesting that it's not just the dc catalog too they're rotating their collections of comedies, sci-fi, action, adventure, etc. So it's funny because you think about, oh, one of the reasons to subscribe to HBO Max is because you have access to this ginormous catalog. And and they're going to be be taking films away for 
periods of time and then putting them back in. So they're going to rotate the catalog. And I'm like, all this tells me is you don't have enough product for your service. If you can't make your the things you're touting as available available on your service regularly, what are you going to do next? Uh, we will unveil the new Green Lantern TV series we're doing just for HBO Max, but we're only going to make it available for January, August, and September. That's fucking yeah. stupid. Dude, what, they, what they makes, don't want you to gunther it. What what I'm wondering That's is That's not going to keep me on. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's a capacity problem. Like they don't have enough server capacity. Oh, they have so store. much things that they don't have room on their computers. It, well, it, supposedly 2020, they, fuck off. I, really? I'm just saying that because it was so, I'm going to say hastily put together, I'm <laughs> wondering if they didn't realize how much storage capacity that, that you would need to have online at any given time to have the ex- entire catalog available. I don't buy it. Well, I think this I'm is, not saying that's yeah. an excuse. That's There's no excuse in 2020. <laughs> I'm just wondering if... if because, I don't even buy it as an argument, though. Well, I, it's, AT&T it's, it's, is such a penny-pinching outfit anyway. <laughs> I'm wondering... If that might have something to do with it, I think it's they're like we can't have all our things available at once. Otherwise, people would subscribe for a short time, watch what they want, and go away. We need to take it away from That's them right. so they'll stay. Yeah, we need That's, to take away shit so they'll stay. That seems what? more likely. My God, that seems more likely actually because that's definitely the way a a CEO <laughs> exec would would think. It's a big pile of dumb. It is a pile of dumb. Oh, HBO Max. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, John Oliver's been saying that for weeks. I do love that John Oliver takes the piss out of his parent company on oh, a regular man. basis. <laughs> the subscriber service that nobody asked for, <laughs> but you got anyway. News <laughs> you don't give a shit about. Isaac Newton thought the cure for the pandemic he was living through consisted of toad vomit. In 1669, cures for ailments ranged from dung to mummy dust. But the genius who revolutionized math and physics created his own plague prescription. Now the original manuscript with the handwritten recipe for Newton's lozenges is being auctioned by Bonhams starting at $65,000. If you want his recipe, well, I kind of have it. Uh, Procure a toad. Uh, hang it upside down in your chimney for three days uh, or until it vomits and dies. Uh, then you need to pick up all the vomit, which Newton describes as having, quote, earth with various insects in it, unquote. Then you need to grind up the toad after it is dead and dry, mix toad powder with toad vomit, and then you apply the miracle lozenges on any area where you might be getting plague boils. Uh, other pages from the same notebook advise people to stay away from places where the plague was known to be festering <laughs> <laughs> and, not to, and not to touch anything that has been touched by someone infected. <laughs> the The auction item is estimated to go for $85,000 to $120,000. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> and as on a side note, you may also want to... <laughs> you know, I, I would love to say we've come a long way since then, but... Nope, there's still snake oil salesmen out nah, there. You know, may I, mean, may just, I point you to goop.com? Yeah. I, I was going to say Miracle Springwater. Have you seen <laughs> yeah. that shit? That, oh, my oh God. Boy. Miracle Springwater? Miracle Springwater. It's, it, 
you'll see the commercials late night. It's it's awful. You just like some some religious nut is is giving away miracle spring water that in these little packets and it's like if you drink this you'll get riches and healing and like it's it's this cure-all it's like it'll cure your poverty you heard about jim baker it'll clear your it'll cure your disease it'll cure your whatever and i'm just like oh my god this guy cannot be serious but then they have all the testimonials and you're just like i i'm so done with humanity yeah jim baker was doing that silver thing that was supposed to knock out Co- COVID. colloidal yeah. colloidal silver or something like that yeah the same yeah this kills covid and he got sued and, yeah, and told it, to um, stop well it's actually funny because uh, colloidal silver i mean silver is an antiseptic yes um but but I, my my mom did colloidal silver decades ago yeah. so but i mean they, it, it it doesn't work when you ingest it it yeah. works if you plate a surface it becomes oh, what, resistant to I mean, drinking viral I, and bacterial. I, re- yeah, I know. drinking iodine's oh, not going to cure the covid <laughs> <laughs> but but it, if you coat your lungs in silver it will help there you go it will protect it will. your lungs right from there. covid and air and everything else i mentioned one time uh, this thing that that they were doing coral calcium oh yeah yeah cuz oh, there was boy. this uh Something about uh, some islander group of people, or I, I don't know the the exact uh, genesis of it, but didn't get cancer. <clears throat> and uh, one of the theories was the coral uh, and the calcium in the coral in the waters actually had anti-cancer properties. And so <clears throat> for a while there, my mom was buying coral calcium and like you, you you powder you pour it in and you drink it and it actually adversely affected my dad because my dad had something called aortal stenosis and it was his aorta valve in his heart uh, was partially stiff and so it would not completely close Ooh. and it was just it was a tiny microscopic opening and apparently he had known about it for 10 years, maybe 15 years, but they were not concerned because it didn't get worse. It just stayed at this like little tiny, yeah. literally millimeter opening. But if you have circulatory... One, yeah. One a, year yep. of coral calcium, mm-hmm. and he actually had to get um, a heart valve replacement because yep. the, the dilation... Of the whole, the the valve got so bad in the space of one year, his do, his cardiologist panicked and was like, "We've got to get this changed now." And he had to actually have open heart surgery and get his heart valve. He he actually if, got yeah. a pig valve. If you have any cardiovascular issues and your calcium intake increases, it magnifies the effects of whatever yeah. your ailment is. Yeah. In fact, one of my blood pressure medications is to reduce calcium absorption mm-hmm. that and apparently it makes you ejaculate cottage cheese so. oh really oh wow <laughs> there was some <laughs> i was watching some weird ass thing i think it was on netflix it was some fucking documentary and they were talking about all the things people do to to you know accommodate their performances and one gay performer was talking about this one guy who was taking calcium to thicken his ejaculate and the guy said and eventually he took so much of it he was just it was like he was blowing cottage cheese out <laughs> gross <laughs> just like oh my god it was like moist flour 
<laughs> and you realize you just turned off half our audience because you said the word moist. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How dare oh, you ruin oh that God. God with moist? That cracked that cracked me up because that actually that joke got worked into the most recent episode of Agents of Shield. Uh, they were trying to. Uh, figure out whether these scientists were human or chronicoms which is like this sentient robot essentially the chronicoms don't have an emotional reaction so they're trying to elicit emotional reactions from the different and one of the the segments he goes how do you react when i say the word moist and they just kept repeating it. And I am dying laughing because I know several people that just cringe at that word. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a fucking word. It's just a it's normal funny. word. That's all right. I have words that I cringe to, too, but usually they're not socially acceptable. So. <laughs> yeah. There is that. <clears throat> anyway. Now, I was just trying to go throw back to the Paul fans out there. There you go. <laughs> Take it down memory lane. <laughs> News don't give a shit about a remake of the 1980s haunted house film The Changeling has hired Anders Angstrom, the director of Hannah, as the director of this piece. The project comes from Terminator Salvation producer Joel B. Michaels, who also produced the original film starring George C. Scott. The movie will center on a musician who returns to his childhood home after the shocking death of his daughter. He soon learns that the house is haunted by the spirit of a dead child and a terrible family secret. Tab Murphy, who wrote Atlantis, The Lost Empire for Disney, penned the screenplay, which is said to contain, quote, several new twists and turns, unquote. Uh, Cornerstone Films has been in possession of the property since 2018 and intends to shop it around to potential buyers at this year's Cannes Virtual Market. I've never seen The Changeling, uh, mm. and I need to fix that because that is considered one of the seminal haunted house movies of all time. And apparently George C. Scott is amazing in it. Uh, it's forgotten, I think, by a lot of people at this point. So I think it is ripe for remake. I I, I don't know. It's, this is one of those that really is on the fence as far as just because it's a horror remake. But you know, maybe it's ripe for one. I, I as, as I either you no guys clue. seen the Changeling? I have not seen it. I saw the 2006 one, which I don't think is no. Yeah, that's that's not, a whole different one. Yeah. So that's when when you said that, and then you were describing it. I was like, "Wait a minute!" So no, I never saw the the George C. George C. Scott. Okay, George C. Scott. I gotta fix that. I gotta find the change. Yeah, me too. It. Now, now I want to, because I love there me some haunted houses. There you go. So, so that's that's on the fence. Maybe maybe I will give a shit about it when it comes out. There we'll you see. go. We'll see. So let's uh, get. So since we're kind of on the edge, just go ahead and go into Weekend Geek. Woohoo! Ba, 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 ba. Wow, nineteen eighty. Yeah. My God. She's a classic. They oh, hey, it's available on Prime Video, so I could watch it. <clears throat> there there you go. Add that that's, to my list. That's how we'll, how we'll both we, get We can watch it on Thursday. Oh, it's if you subscribe to Shudder for a seven-day free trial. Oh, so I I, already, I haven't dropped my subscription go. to Shudder, well, so... So you can I, watch it. I can oh, watch it. Shudder doesn't rotate? Oh. No, because they're not <laughs> goddamn awful. <laughs> uh, crackle, the... Streaming service Crackle by Sony is adding a feature-length documentary about the making of 1984's Ghostbusters. 
Oh, nice. Crackle is a free ad-supported streaming service. Uh, cleaning up the town, remembering Ghostbusters, includes over 40 interviews, including Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and the late Harold Ramis. Uh, the documentary premieres on Crackle Thursday, June 18th. So this Thursday, if you're uh, listening to this on time. If I remember, <laughs> if I remember... Crackle is still a free service. Yes. Yeah, in so. fact, I went on and, and registered just to make sure that it still was. So, Because I wasn't I stayed away from Crackle. Why, right. Why do I need Crackle? Mm. Uh, but now that this is coming out, I, I got to see it. Yeah, I think I the only thing I ever watched on Crackle was the, they released the, the Joe Dirt sequel on Crackle, and it You're was right. terrible. You're right. Why didn't I run then? Why didn't I run to it? The first movie was really good, and... <laughs> And I was very disappointed with the sequel. Oh, well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> Color me surprised. Color you surprised? All yeah. Right. <laughs> Life's a garden. Dig it. No. Yep. Yeah, right. It is the pinnacle of humor. <laughs> Have you ever watched the first one? Yes. I remember walking to the movie theater while my car was getting repaired. I'm going to watch a movie. Oh, the only thing that's happening in time is Joe Dirt. I guess I'll go watch that. Well... That passed the time. Um, <laughs> you didn't. You didn't enjoy it, huh? It was okay. It might. You know what? My wife loves it. My my wife loves Joe Dirt. I, I really liked it. Then again, it reminded me a lot of my youth. Cause that's, that's probably why I didn't like the, it. It reminded the, me of your youth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just meant the. You know, there's a lot of midwesternisms in that film. Oh, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> there are. Even though it's supposed to take place in the South, it's, there's so much of the South that makes its way into the Midwest that it's for, hard to separate the two sometimes. For those who don't live in the United States, here's a secret the United States will tell you. The South is everywhere. Yeah. The South isn't just in the South of the United States. It is everywhere. You will hear that accent and that mentality at any place that you go in the United States. True. United States. Stay away for a while. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, big sad news this week. Uh, this one was kind of a heart dropper. Uh, Denny O'Neill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Writer and editor, best known for his revitalizing run on Batman comics in the 1970s, has died at the age of 81. Uh, those career began at Marvel Comics in the 1960s after he impressed Stan Lee with a writer's test. O'Neill's biggest impact on comic storytelling came when he landed at DC Comics in the late 60s. After early work on books uh, like Steve Ditko's new title, Beware the Creeper, uh, Justice League of America, and Wonder Woman, O'Neill began writing what would become a series of landmark stories for Batman in the early 1970s. In the pages of both Batman and Detective Comics, O'Neill is credited with moving the public images of the character away from the campy tone from the 60s Batman TV series. He co-created the villain Ross Al Ghul, uh, alongside artist Neil Adams, and breathed new life into supervillains like Two-Face and the Joker. Together with Adams, he also worked to revitalize Green Lantern and Green Arrow, reinventing them as hard-traveling heroes who journeyed across the United States where their conflicting political ideologies were free to clash over everything from racism to drug addiction. Uh, O'Neill and Adams' efforts to infuse their superhero stories with real-world issues were a major step for mainstream comics at the time and remain landmark issues in DC history. During his time at DC, he also wrote the now classic Superman versus Muhammad Ali story, 
then moved to Marvel to work on titles like The Amazing Spider-Man and serve as editor for the then-unknown Frank Miller's legendary Daredevil run. He eventually went back to DC and became the company's Batman editor, where he remained a key figure for more than a decade, overseeing stories like A Death in the Family all the way up through Nightfall. He wrote novels, scripted episodes of Superboy and Logan's Run, brought some of his own characters to life on screen via Batman the Animated Series, wrote the DC Comics Guide to Writing Comics, and taught comics writing. Uh, And just days ago, the story he wrote with art by uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez appeared in DC's Joker's 80th anniversary, 100-page Super Spectacular. Uh, Yeah, Denny O'Neill is the reason why you have a serious Batman now. Yeah. But it comes down to it. I'm not sure, so correct me if I'm wrong, if that he was instrumental in the, uh, was was it the Flash that had the uh, drug addicted? Uh, no, that was uh, a <clears throat> Green Arrow, Speedy. Speedy, that's right. It was Speedy. So yeah, so yeah he was a part of that. Ward. And that was a big part of breaking the comics yeah. code authority. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Of, of Depicting drug addiction. Exactly. They... The uh, Comics Authority at the time, that was the censorship uh, board that was created when comics came under fire in the uh, U.S. Senate and House, Uh, basically destroying fun comics at the time. That's why we no longer had, uh, uh, I say we, like I was alive at the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But that's why- destroyed EC. EC Comics, yeah. The Tales from the Crypts, all those. Because you couldn't have horror comics anymore. If you had somebody that was involved in crime, they had to be brought to justice at the end. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There was no gray lines. Things were laid out in very strenuous, strict manners. Uh, And if you depicted drugs, they- if you could depict drugs at all, it was because they had to be a criminal and they had to be brought to justice at the end. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. And in this story, they showed a superhero's sidekick addicted and were telling a more nuanced story about the nature of addiction. And Comics Code Authority didn't like it. And DC went ahead with it anyway and published it without the Code Authority on it. Yeah. Cover... Yeah. Uh, pre- uh, depicted a needle and everything. I mean, uh, Speedy was uh, was a uh, heroin addict. It was it really. They didn't even they didn't even play around with like weed. Yeah. no, they, <coughs> they went straight to yeah something hardcore. Yeah, it was it was a very interesting time too because it really, I mean, it's it's laid the it laid the foundation rather for the 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 modern day usage of comics as a way to kind of be a mirror to society and and tackle real world issues through the through the lens of the comic that you you know it's it in many ways it was a way to introduce to you know people in their early teens or preteens to issues that they're going to be experiencing as they grow in this world and as as a way to kind of not coddle them and you know go with the like the comics code that that black and white kind of world and show them that there's a lot of shades of gray in the world and that there are things that you're going to run into in life that you may not know how to deal with but maybe here's some ways that you could tackle your issues as you get older the comics code ensured that comics were made for children and only for children yes and it's moments like this that started to allow for more adult stories to be told later yeah. on so 
it it definitely increased the purchasing of comics by people in their late teens, early 20s, and so forth. Not just for pop art. Yeah. We also lost costume designer Denise Cronenberg. She died at the age of 81. Uh, Cronenberg was a constant aesthetic force in the films of her brother, David Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, her first collaboration with him as costume designer, The Fly, saw her dress Jeff Goldblum in his various states of deterioration as the Oscar-winning makeup creation that was The Brundlefly. Uh, her Saturn award-winning work with Jeremy Irons on Dead Ringers solidified her role in the brother-sister Cronenberg team for the rest of their career. Uh, the pair collaborated on each film Cronenberg helmed up to his most recent feature, Maps to the Stars. Uh, Denise has also designed comics for a variety of other Hollywood projects, including Dracula 2000, The Incredible Hulk, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, and Resident Evil Afterlife. You know, it's funny, like the fly, the Cronenberg fly, is the one that really left the biggest impression on me as far as like, Body modification horror. Dude, it is one, it is one of the body horror yeah, movies of all time. It really is. And I think it still holds up today. Yeah. I, I, I saw that. it not long ago, I want to say maybe six months ago, and was surprised at how well those effects held up. You know, they, they did a lot of practical effects because they didn't have any choice, really. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's some mild animation. You don't really notice it, but the majority of it was, was all on-set practical effects. And... Uh, it freaked me out. I mean, I I enjoyed the film. I was in my teens when it came out, but at the same time, it freaked me out. It's repulsive. It's absolutely repulsive, you know, especially watching this brilliant man deteriorate into something that's no more than a, you know, and it's not instinctive creature. And it's not repulsive in that way like, "Oh, that's really gross." Uh, well, it's that too, it but is, it is gross, but I mean, it's not like the gross-out movie. It's, yes. Uh it's not like dead alive. Yes, that, that, yes. Ki- that kind of repulsive word. Right. Like, ah, it grosses me out. This is an actual body horror where the horror is the aspect of you feeling a transformation away from being human. Yep. And feeling every bit of the moment along the way. And the and the utter helplessness of yes. it. Mm-hmm. it the, the, to this day, because of that movie, I I don't know why specifically, but I cannot handle fing- fingernail. Scenes. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I just that movie and 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 you know when he's like losing his fingernails and the 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 slow. What's going on here? It's just like ah, I can't handle that image. And there was so much else going on in that movie, but that's the thing that really just got me so bad mm-hmm. when I watched it. Oof. It's it's not an easy. Watch. Yeah, yeah, and the whole yeah the whole just absolutely can't control it. You know the the that line. Uh, what am I dying? Or uh, I forget the exact line. It's been a while. It. I could quote it. Yeah, he. It. It's just can't do anything about it. Yeah, hell of a film. Yeah, Cronenberg at his best. Under a new deal with his new production company, Complete Fiction, Edgar Wright is helping develop three shows for a streaming service. Uh, Lockwood and Company will adapt Jonathan Stroud's novels into a supernatural detective series directed by Cornish, uh, the kid who would be king. Uh, the youth skewing sco- story is a hard-boiled Ghostbuster style showcasing a London suffering from, quote, the problem where ghosts have started appearing after dark. Uh, Complete Fiction has also nabbed the rights to Ted Thompson's trilogy, The Murders of Molly Sutherburn, about a woman who spawns an evil twin whenever she bleeds. 
And as <laughs> what? What did what, what what did I say? What? Fine, I'll go on. And, and <laughs> S.A. Uh, Chakrabordis, the uh, Daivabad trilogy about a con artist accidentally summoning a jinn in the alternative 18th century setting. The <laughs> uh, funny thing is I didn't write what streaming service this is going to. I assume it's Netflix, uh, but I'm not positive. Oh, not HBO Max? Uh, fuck them. You never know with those because sometimes they are destined for a certain service and then at the last minute they'll sign on to another streaming service or the uh, streaming service that paid for it goes, no, nah, we don't want it now and then goes up for grabs. But oh either God. way, Edgar Wright's new production company yeah. is making stuff for a streaming service, whether awesome. it's Hulu or Netflix. I couldn't tell you right now, but it's Edgar Wright. Not, not awesome ch- that it's for it. a streaming service, but awesome that he's making more stuff. Yes. I, lo- I, I love that man's creative mind. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. What? (laughs) (laughs) When she bleeds, she gets a new twin. (laughs) Okay. It's just, oh, God. You know what? It's so funny because I didn't really give this any thought until several years ago during Game of Thrones. And Jon Snow, you know, he's he's getting it on with Ygritte. And she's doing the you-know-nothing Jon Snow. And he actually makes the comment about, oh, you know, the women, they get all faint and they, they get all, oh, uh, and they want to faint and everything at the sight of blood. And she just smiles and goes, every woman sees more blood than any man. And you're like, that's true. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's actually true. And so... When you said that, of course, my first thought is, oh, yeah, she, like, cuts herself while she's peeling carrots. Yes. And she's going to get a twin. That's exactly it. But then... Why? Is there something else? Is there something else involved? <laughs> then then I went elsewhere, and I'm like, wow, she's... Yeah. There's going to be a lot of twinning. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. It was... What it, am I to do with all these twins? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I just, yeah, whenever she bleeds, that, that phrase is just, it's just, it's different now. <laughs> Dreamscape Media has announced a new set of Dungeons & Dragons audiobooks that let you be in control of the story. Dungeons & Dragons Endless Quest is a series of six books each with one having you take each one having you take on a different role in the story. Along the way, you'll be able to shape your adventure. The six current books are Escape the Underdark, To Catch a Thief, Big Trouble, Into the Jungle, Escape from Castle Ravenloft, The Mad Mage's Academy. Uh, fans can access the audiobooks through Hoopla if you have a valid library card for free, or you can purchase them through Amazon, Google Play, or iBooks. So, hmm. yes. Choose your own adventures are in the audio category under Dungeons and Dragons. Well, that's good because the the audience viewpoint character is built right into the story. <laughs> Indeed, uh, you know what? Uh, I did look to see if they were on Libby. Uh, I couldn't find them anywhere on there, so I did go on Hoopla and I did download them. I well, I downloaded one of them. Escape, escape the Underdark, because I wanted to see how how, how this works. You know, I, I I had a feeling I knew how it worked, but I had to know. And uh, the whole book and its full length is about two and a half hours as, as far as just spoken material. So when you come to a 
point of decision, it tells you to go to another certain chapter, just like you would turn a page in a right. choose-your-own-adventure. My adventures in the game, the first time I played, I had a good outcome, and then a few times I played with a bad outcome. Uh, the longest play was about 15 minutes. So, And there is a lot of opportunity for replay. There's, there's a lot of beginning choices to branch you out to other areas. Yeah. So that's, that's really nice. And I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if I enjoyed it so much that I would buy it, uh, but I would certainly rent one again. Uh, this is certainly nothing you could play on a commuter trip in your car. Because you have to advance to the certain, right. <laughs> advance to chapter fifty-two. If you're on chapter three, it's going to take a few moments. That they they need to they need to uh, <clears throat> work on user interface and just break it down to uh, a one, two, three, four. If you make X decision, if you go into this room, press one. If you go into that room, press See, two. That's why they need to bring back eight tracks because it had those four yeah. channels, and that works perfectly <laughs> right. for that shit. Yeah. What do we know? But uh, but no, they work and it's entertaining. So if you can get your hands on one, try it out. It's worthwhile. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Conjuring and Aquaman director James Wan has partnered with Transformers Don Murphy to produce a big screen translation of Frank M. Robinson's sci-fi novelette, The Hunting Season. John Wick writer Derek Kolstad has been hired to pen the screenplay. The project will revolve around a lawman from the future who is declared an enemy of the state. By way of execution, he's flung back into the past where he has three days to evade a hunting party, acclimate to the time period, and blend in. Robinson's story was first published in 1951 in an issue of Astounding Science Fiction magazine. Primarily known for his techno-thrillers, the author was also famous for co-authoring The Glass Inferno with Thomas N. Scoria. The 1974 novel helped inform Sterling Siliphant's screenplay for The Towering Inferno that same year. In addition, he wrote speeches for Harvey Milk prior to his assassination in 1978. All right, gentlemen. That sounds like an interesting story. I'd yeah, I'm, well, yeah. with time travel. Yeah, I well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're definitely down. Absolutely. I'm at least willing to give it a, a chance. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's the running man with time travel. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, I, I'm with that log line. I'm in. Well, gentlemen, we got a little bit of time, and that's all the news I'm going to share. Oh. So it is time to go into the boardroom because we've got some red lights and some green lights to figure out. All right. <laughs> I thought you had more, so I was like, oh, I guess he has no more. So we're going to... See, that's where the music cues, yeah. so it all works uh, out the other way. Oh, okay. So it's okay. Pont pontificate at your leisure, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like you, you, you chastise us for being quiet when the thing goes, but then now you're going to chastise us for saying something when the music cues supposed to go on? No, I didn't chastise nothing. I said, okay. you do you guys. All right. Uh, but yeah, for being quiet, fuck you. Why are you being quiet for? This is an audio <laughs> show. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What we 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 don't be quiet. We get shit because because we're you, talking over each other. You, because you need <laughs> you don't want to do that too. You need your 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 dead space so you can find the music cue. Uh, no, 
it's oh okay <clears throat> well we just keep boy talking. boy you read the room wrong on that one <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons I love Andy so much is he makes that big old gobbledygook sound, and it, and, and it throws the whole audio into a oh, in a God. in a huge spike, and really? I can find it just like that. Oh, don't encourage him. Oh, it's it's perfect. Oh my God, stop! That when you do the silent stuff, it's like all the other times when there's like the response is, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. So, gentlemen, welcome yes. back to the boardroom. We've got some more pitches for red light, green light. All right. We're gonna figure out if we're gonna put this money behind this. And now we gotta we gotta pick and choose. We're not getting as much money now with everything going on. Mm. This VOD stuff, it's making some, but it's not making a lot. Yeah. All right. So uh we might have to uh, tighten our reins a little bit on this. All right. Nobody wants to get fired in this time. Now ain't nobody hiring right now. And we're just now starting production back, so that's right. So you know we gotta be careful with the ducats. Yeah. All right. So first one, red light, green light. Seth Rogen, that's the actor and the producer behind Preacher and the Boys, is about to tackle his third comic book adaptation for television. Rogen has teamed up with David S. There's no S in there. David F. Sandberg. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I can't even read letters now. It's not even words. It's letters, people. David F. Sandberg, who did uh, Lights Out and Shazam, for an Amazon series based on Fear Agent by Rick Remender and Tony Moore. Amazon won a heated bidding war for the project. Ooh. In addition to serving as an executive producer along Rogan, Sandberg will also direct from a script by Batman co-scribe Mattson Tomlin. Uh, published by Image Comics... Fear Agent tells the story of Heath Hudson, the last alien exterminator on the planet who must give up his love of alcohol and self-pity in order to stop a genocidal plot to kill off all of humanity. The Hollywood Reporter's official synopsis for the show goes as follows. Interstellar invaders, time travel, clones of clones of clones, and lots of whiskey. Whether he's battling the scourge of space going back in time to stop alien invasion that changed Earth forever, or winning his ex-wife back, there's nothing that Heath Hudson wouldn't do to try to right the wrongs and get his family back. He is, after all, the last fear agent. John McClane? What? Oh, sorry. Kind of, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, well, red light, green light on fear agent. What do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm a green light. I, I, loved damaged, I love damaged heroes to be. I, those... those they're so much more interesting than the, the clean cut everyday superhero. Just that ask for you, Jonah Biggs. Hex. <laughs> uh, plus the the pedigree behind it. I mean, I, they did such a fantastic job with boys, uh, the boys rather, and um, it's probably probably both. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, I'm I'm down. Definitely green light. Clones of clones of clones. All right, so. What, Diminishing like, returns. Every time he bleeds, he gets a, a clone. Uh, no, I'm going to say no <laughs> on this one. I, I don't think that's how this one works. Yeah, I like clones of clones because I always think of multiplicity, which I just oh, thought yeah. was a hilarious concept. When you clone the clone, what the hell are you going to get? Or that lovely episode of The Next Generation. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's such a groaner. Yeah. I got a feeling this is more of the uh, 
alien of the week type story. I'm not, I'm not sure there's one like major arc to it. Oh, that, that this this episode we deal with the clones, and this time we deal with the going back in time oh. aliens, and this time that's kind of how I feel about it. alien th- of the week. I, I attempted to read Fear Agent once upon a time, and I never could get into it. Really? Yeah. So uh, wow, I, I'm I'm red lighting this one. Oh my goodness! I yeah. was going to green light too. No, go ahead. Feel free. I'm not stopping you. If you think that's where the money should go, it's where the money should go. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, hunting aliens. It's very topical. It's uh, it's all the rage now in America. Um, <laughs> Fucking hell. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 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 All right. So uh, green light from both. <laughs> but two. it, you know, hey, it's uh it sounds cool. It's like, yeah, whiskey problem, alcohol, get his wife back, blah, blah, blah. Just so show him shooting shit. I, I can guarantee that. That's there a, you go. That's going to be a big part of it. All right, then. Uh, I, I, I will say that, uh, yeah, Seth Rogen did a good job with the preacher. did a great job with the boys. Uh, if anybody can pull this off and make it something fun, I think that's who can do it. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> But still, just... For my experience of reading it going, eh, that didn't do a whole lot for me. I'm, I'm not excited to throw money behind it. So I'm, I'm keeping behind my red light on this one. So the source material is your issue. My, the source material is my issue. Okay. I mean, your mileage may vary, but it didn't do much for me. Okay. But green light all across the board on this one, gentlemen. Except for, I'm, I'm the dissenting vote. But the uh, <laughs> except for the one right. red, yeah. otherwise uh, all gonna, green. I was gonna make board. a joke, but I'm gonna abstain. <laughs> <laughs> what? You love my mixed metaphors. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, red light, green light. Peacock streaming service is developing a live action comedy called Washed Up, a follow up series to Hans Christian Andersen's original The Little Mermaid. <laughs> executive produced and written by Gracie Glassmeyer who did Jane the Virgin and No Tomorrow Washed Up will catch up with the now human mermaid 15 years after the end of Anderson's fairy tale it's been years after she's lost her tail and what seemed like the bargain of a lifetime to marry her human dream prince now quote miserable unmotivated and in a loveless marriage according to the report She's jarred out of her rut by the suspicious death of her father, who sets her off, quote, on an epic adventure to save not only her underwater kingdom, but all of humankind, unquote. Gentlemen, washed up on the Peacock streaming service. Red light, green light. Red light. What? Yeah. Just doesn't. You don't want more, Little Mermaid? It just, it sounds like it's a concept that's been done before, and it's just, yeah. I can't yeah. think of when that's been done before. The the happily ever after isn't so happily ever after, and then there's something that sends them off on a oh into the woods, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I can't. But, <laughs> but that's that's all I really know, I guess. <clears throat> um, yeah, it doesn't light my fire, but maybe maybe chicks will dig it. <laughs> is that a tentative green wow. or is that a you know a, a reluctant red? I don't. <laughs> The views of Commander D- K do not necessarily reflect reflect, uh, reflect, <laughs> reflect the views of the King Shock. We might be an hour and a half into the show. Does, does she get clones when she bleeds? She might. I don't know. Well, when, when, when they run out of ideas, it's something they can go to. When they when they put that in there, solid green. 
Uh, I'm green. It it doesn't <laughs> sounds more like a solid red. Uh, oh, that no. wasn't me, folks. That wasn't me. Um, I, I mean, it it doesn't really uh, the, the happily ever after, not so happy thing isn't a big thing with me. But I don't know. Maybe I mean fairy tales. There are lots of people out there that like those things. So. I'm sure. Sure, we've had our once upon a time. Yeah. We've had all those fables. But yeah, Red Light, I don't don't know anybody that's finished Little Mermaid. You know what? I wonder what happened next. Well. And then I wonder what happened next and what if it was real bad? Well, let's, we should phrase it this way, dude. We don't know any guys who've said that. I don't know any girls have said that either. Really? Because yeah. I can imagine women just sitting there going. I'm not saying they are You know, sitting, just shaking their heads like, oh, girl. Somebody thought this was a good idea. Yeah, that was a mistake. So. I think Disney did like a direct-to-video sequel to The Little Mermaid. They did a few. Did they do a few? Yeah, but none where she was, you know, on the verge of alcoholism. I was going to say, I, I remember I was working at the Disney catalog like when they did like Mulan sequel, like did all the direct videos. What the catalog? Yeah, you were working I was, at the catalog. I was doing telephone oh, catalog. Okay, <laughs> not yeah. fo- not pe- following his dream. Pe- yeah. People called. <laughs> the The nice thing is it wasn't telemarketing. People called in. They placed their order. You punch it into the computer. I, you you had mentioned then, that yes. Yeah. But I thought you know it was it was it was an were easy you, job. Were you looking to move up to photography? Was that the that was that's oh. a complete a completely different. Okay. Job altogether. All right. That that was a I need money and this is available at a time. Mm. And when when you got me. this job, did you then realize that the catalog was on its way out, or were you still hopeful that the future of the catalog was with you? Uh, n- hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> These are the hard hitting interviews yeah. that got us on the ugly couch show. Yeah, That's really. Right. <laughs> You know, that's something I didn't even think of because that was that was right about the time well when I quit within the next year or two after was when they started doing online sales for the Disney catalog. So it wasn't just you had to call to order things in the catalog. You could go online and purchase it without ever having to talk to. You see, CNN, these so. are the gripping things I can offer you. I'm not wow. working right now, so if you need someone to interview and get hard-hitting answers like that. Yeah. I'm here for you. There you so go. yeah, I, I don't know if the the call center even exists anymore. I'll bet it does. I'll have to look that up. I'll bet you there's two people working it, but I'll bet it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yes, Disney call center. Where's the milk? <laughs> I opened up my fridge and the milk's not there. A little piece of trivia though. Number oh, one boy. question asked when people call that number was, "What are you wearing? Isn't this the park?" <laughs> Nope, but I can give you that number. <laughs> oh, God. Those Actually, were both you never... good answers. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you were never supposed to say no. I forgot the actual oh, the, that's pivot, right. the pivot thing. You're like, uh, I can give you that number, though. But first, have you seen our latest deal on Pantsless Mickey? On Little Mermaid 3. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm on DVD. God, there were so many of those direct-to-video sequels at that time. Uh, I don't remember any that were good. I watched. This, this was the late '90s, so this would have been around '97 sure. or '98. But they never stopped. No, doing they just that. kept. They just kept going. I, I remember we had like two or three Aladdin sequels. We had uh, 
sequel for uh, Mulan. We had it just it was like it was all over the place. Like people call in and say, I want to order this, 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 and this. And you're like, why? <laughs> well, I hadn't seen any of them, which is the funny thing. It's like, cause uh, you, you, you had your, you had your little script like where they would, you know, people said, have you seen it yet? Is it good? And you're like, absolutely. It's wonderful. <laughs> and then you would have little, little bits of information about it that you could quote from. Sure. So it showed that you saw it and know. It, a place so it made of, it seem like you had seen it, yeah. Yes, from a even though we hadn't from a actually. place of knowledge. Uh, I I saw one of these straight to video movies on the big screen. I did see the Aladdin one. That one was terrible. Yeah, uh, but I saw it in the movie theater. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I say the big screen. I saw it at the El Capitan. Really? In los angeles that's the movie theater that disney owns on hollywood boulevard it's it's something it's definitely a a a thing to do if you go out there because it's it's fantastic they have they have gone all out in restoring this place it's glorious watch anything there except something they release straight to dvd (laughs) i watched finding neverland no it It was the the peter pan sequel because all the other sequels were selling great right the aladdin sequel the Pocahontas sequel and Milan sequel whatever they had so they as a premiere even though it was only being released in video they premiered it right I forgot they did that yeah. at the El Capitan when they did these so I went to one of those and the El Capitan is such an entertaining theater experience that even that was not so bad the movie wasn't good though yeah god I remember seeing uh Return of Jafar was the Aladdin sequel, oh, and it geez. was, it was, and, yeah, that's not good. And and no offense to Dan Castellaneta, who had done the no offense, the voice. offense, Dan. Well, offense. he he did the voice of the genie because Robin Williams wasn't going to do it. Um, probably couldn't afford him. Uh, actually, it wasn't a money thing. He didn't. He he had some Robin issues. Williams saw the goddamn light. Well, he I saw, am not attaching my name to this bullshit. Well, that part of it he also had some issues i think post when aladdin yeah it's called the script well no when when aladdin premiered the 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 original theatrical release of aladdin he had requested that they not use him as a primary marketing tool and they said they wouldn't and actually did and he became incensed with Disney about that and then swore off doing any Disney projects from then on. He he softened up later and then, you know, obviously money became an issue and he actually did Time the and third. Money helps, yeah. yeah, he did like the third direct to video, well, the second direct to video, but the the third Aladdin sequel, he reprised the role as the genie, but that's a whole big story and I'm getting off topic. So. No, it sounds like it was right on topic, frankly, but the- But yeah, also if you go folks, if you go to the Cap- El Capitan, and you have long legs, just be aware they have restored the theater to its original seating configuration. So the seats, there's not a lot of space between the rows, just so you know. So if it's a long movie, prepare yourselves. You might have to do that whole side sit thing with your your As, you, as your circulation your getting cut off. off to the... I, sh- I, sh- I saw Avengers and Infinity War at, oh, at oh. El Capitan. Well, that's a long set. And that's a long, uh, yeah. thank goodness my girlfriend's short because I had to encroach upon some of her, <laughs> her space. I had to, to sit with my knees off to the side. Sorry, sweetheart. Move on. <laughs> See, I used to schlump and then prop my legs against the mm. chair in front of me. 
just prop my knees. Oh, okay. well, the, the original yeah. row that I won, I was in the balcony and I was in the second row of the balcony. I wanted mm. the, the first row. Yeah. And while I was um, doing the checkout process and got kicked out because for whatever reason, it wouldn't let me, it wouldn't let me select two seats. I ended up having to buy three seats. For your long legs. No, it, I had to buy three seats because it wouldn't let me buy two seats and leave a, any oh. one seat open. And I wanted that front row, and there were two seats in that front row. But while I was going through the sale process, it kicked me out. And then I went, went back in. They were gone. So. See what happens. But anyway, that's Who that's kicked you out story. for your long legs? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. We will talk to you next week in Geek. You know, my, my favorite thing I saw at the El Capitan is the midnight sing-along screening of Evita. Oh, wow. That's not something I'd expect to the El Capitan, no. but goddamn, that was a good time. Cool. Did I mention that I saw three different versions of the musical company this week? No. That's what I did this week. Oh, okay. I watched Stephen Sondheim's musical Company mm. oh, okay. by three different casts. Wow. Okay, see, Stage now I versions. I, you, had, you threw me there for a second. I was like, what company? Yeah, exactly. Oh, the the company. You should have done it. Dang. Nah, nah, not, not the company. Oh, the musical's about the CIA. Com- oh, company. Yeah. yeah. That'd be, yeah. Ooh. That'd be an awesome musical. Yeah. <laughs> we should write that, Kate. I know. And if Copyright I'm, Geek yeah, Shock. Yeah, 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 TM. And if you're curious, the 2006 version is the best. Uh, who's in down. that one? Uh, that one is uh, a rule, Raul Farza, I think is his last name. What makes that one so phenomenal is the actors are the musicians as well. Ah, so everybody in the cast plays an instrument when they wow. are on on uh, on stage and off, and even off stage, you're still on stage. My God, it's huh. damned impressive. That's interesting. Uh, the next best version is the one that stars Doogie, Doogie Howser that they did uh, like ten years later. Neil Patrick Harris. That's the one. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. That one is excellent. By the way, he is a phenomenal stage performer. Oh, I, he was yeah. he was built for the stage. Uh, you know his his roles on screen were okay when you see him perform on stage you're like wow this is what you were meant to do and his version of the character bobby is super entertaining to watch uh but raul's version from the 2006 version has this great aloofness to him that really drives home the emotional impact of that musical hello Hmm, cool shock monkeys are are, are, are you there? Musical, Hello? musical, musical, musical. Well, you know, we already lost half of them because we used the word moist multiple times. What? Moist, moist the musical. Start yeah. it. Ralph Farza. <laughs> and Doogie Moist. Ooh. I made one of those earlier. Ooh. <laughs> and not, you know, not for nothing, you know, and not, you know, not for nothing, you know, and not, you know, not for nothing, you know, and not, you know, not for nothing, you know, and not, you know, not for nothing, you know, and not, you know, not for nothing, you know, and not, you know, not for nothing, you know, and not, you know, not for nothing, you know, and not, you know, not for nothing, you know.